0: We we'll just take our time. Sometimes when I, I start, um, you know, with my heart this full, I tend to rush through things. and I don't want to do that. So just amen. Let the Holy Spirit lead us and uh, we'll get said exactly what needs to be said. Amen. Praise God. So these are some of many verses on this subject. Uh, and, of course, we're talking about a merciful heart, faithful flourish in a merciful heart. And so it's James chapter 2, verse 12. The instructions to us are, so speak and so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now in the course of our study here of late, we've looked at how we were created in the image and likeness of God. And we said it's important for us to have an interior that goes with the exterior. In other words, for us to not just look like him outwardly, but for us to be like him inwardly, that inward man, that inward person of the heart. And Let's go now, praise God, to Micah 6 and 8. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Some of you may memorize this verse some time ago, but Micah 6 and 8 says, He has shown you. Notice he didn't just tell you. That's the, that's the amazing thing about God. And of course, Micah is being prophetic here. Um, he has shown us, but this was written before Jesus came. I guess after Jesus, you know, we can say he has shown enough shown us. Amen. I mean, he, he has really shown us. Amen what is good? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Now that's, that word require is, is a pretty strong word. When you start talking about a requirement, um, it's, it's more than, um, you know, a suggestion. Um, it's, it's more than even, um, I think requirement ties in with expectation, but this is, This is more than just an expectation or a suggestion. It's something that God requires of us. But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, last week we said, excuse me, we said humility is to mercy what pride is to judgment. So a humble man or woman is also going to be a merciful man or woman. And in the same way, a judgmental man or woman is is going to, at the same time, be prideful. You, You can't be judgmental and humble at the same time, nor can you be prideful and merciful at the same time. We see that these two things are exclusive to one another. Humility is to mercy what pride is to judgment. Now, last Wednesday night, I'm just trying to review a few things, last Wednesday night, we focused in on that word or that phrase to love mercy, to love mercy. God didn't just say to show it or to try to have it, um, but he wants us to love it. And we said there's a few reasons for that. And, and mainly because you know, when we start talking about something that we love. We're talking about the heart level now. Um, you can superficially. The Bible says, let those who are taught the word communicate with those who teach in every good thing. And so I, I love the feedback that I get from you guys. Last Wednesday, you know, I got to thinking maybe Vanessa or Donald should have preached a sermon. They had such wonderful things to add to it. And one of the things that Vanessa said was that, you know, the the reason we should love mercy instead of showing it is that a lot of people, for them, showing mercy to other people is just a show. You know, it's it's, it, it's something they do to appear spiritual, and 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 then. Uh, I, in that sermon, I compared loving mercy, literally the, the word in the Hebrew has to do with like a love relationship between a husband and a wife, between a man or a woman. And so I compared that to uh, the progression of my relationship with Pam and, and how I fell in love with her. And then Brother Donald added this that I thought was like I wanted to stop everybody and tell everybody what he said. But he said, part of what caused me to fall in love with Pam is that as our relationship developed, it was the value that she was adding to my life. It was the benefit that she was adding to my life. And so, as we set our hearts on mercy, and as we learn to love mercy, that's what would cause us to fall in love with mercy. Thank you for that, Brother Donald. Is that we begin to see the value, and 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 you know how it enriches our lives. How we, you know, mercy will enable you to live a much higher quality life. I don't just mean receiving mercy. To love mercy doesn't just mean to love receiving it. Everybody loves to receive mercy. I mean whoever got mad when the police officer gave you a warning instead of a ticket? I mean we, we leave there and go, Whoo, thank you Lord. And we, we all love to receive mercy but loving mercy is more than just loving to receive it but loving to give or extend it as well. Now um. <clears throat> Let's, um, let's do this. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38. Matthew 5 and 38. I think we've made the case over the last couple of weeks that our Father in heaven loves mercy. Uh, he's, he's a God of judgment. He's a God of mercy. He's both. But he prefers mercy. He would rather show you mercy judge and punish you so much so that he sent Jesus to be punished in your place so that those who call upon his name he would not have to punish for our sins but would because of Jesus we would pass the Bible says from judgment and so to say that God is not a God of judgment would be a misstatement that would be wrong clearly he is um, the judge but he prefers mercy which means as his offspring in the earth, men and women who are longing to be men and women after his own heart, you know, we should prefer mercy over judgment as well. Remember what he said in James, mercy triumphs over or rejoices against judgment, celebrates over it, praise God. We said that when we show mercy, we're taking after God. When we uh, nitpick and are critical and pass judgment against others, we're acting like God's enemy because Satan is the accuser of the brethren now I know we've been through these verses a few times already but I want us to uh, I mean if the Lord leads us back here next week that's fine but there's some things here that we've just not covered adequately that I feel like we need to cover and so this is from Jesus's sermon on the mount uh, verse 38 Jesus speaking you've heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Look at me for a moment. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that's, that's law. That's Old Testament. And notice there's no mercy in that. It, it's literally, if you knocked out a man's tooth, you're going to have to give up one of your teeth. If you took a man's life, you're going to have to give your life in his place. Uh, you know, if you, again, it's very strict. That law was very, um, uh, you know, it didn't leave any room for confusion. It was very clear. Um, but Jesus now is introducing mercy into this. So verse 41, And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who, spite, who spitefully use you and persecute you. And so I hope that as you read these or hear these, those two important words come to mind, right? What are they? Extreme Extreme mercy. That's, that's what Jesus is, is showing us here. It's what he's introducing to us here, is uh, to show mercy. People who are clearly wrong, people who have clearly wronged us. It's, it's not like, um, you know, you don't have proof. He, Jesus didn't mince words here. In other words, he's talking about, you know, egregious offenses committed against us that, you know, no confusion, no debate um, about it. Um, that's again not up for discussion but in the middle of these things he's telling us to show mercy instead of judgment and notice why verse 45 he says that in doing these things that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust now we ended last week that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, this doesn't mean that you can do good works and be saved. That's not what he's saying. The, the The literal translation of this is that you might have your Father's disposition. Remember, a man after God's own heart is not just a man or a woman who's wanting to please God, but this is a man who wants to have a heart in them like God has in him. Or, as this, again, literally translated, that we would have the same disposition as God, the same... Mood, the same general approach and, and, and perspective uh, on, uh, on life and on things and on people. So if we're going to be men and women after God's own heart, Jesus is telling us the kind of uh, behavior from our heart uh, that uh, you know, will, will be expressed or be represented. Now, notice 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Before I go any further, just real quick, and you don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think about this. Have you ever been in the midst of a group of people who greeted their brethren only and you weren't a brethren? You see what I mean by that? And it's like, Brethren here obviously could mean a physical brother. Or even a spiritual brother, but he's just talking about people you're close with, people that know you and you know them, and and you're comfortable around them. They're comfortable around you, um, and 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 so you know you're in the midst of a group of people who are, you know, have that going on, but you're on the outside. If you're ever on the outside of one of those situations, and you know, um, how that feels, Amen. That's not a very pleasant situation to be in. All right. So, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? then it's almost like out of nowhere, but it's not out of nowhere. It ties in with all of this verse forty eight therefore you shall be perfect, just as your father in heaven is perfect okay let's um let's draw some truth out of this and and maybe put it in words that will really help us connect with this in a a meaningful way tonight. Um, This is one of the first things I feel like the Holy Spirit said to me uh, about these things. He said that without mercy, our love will always be shallow and one-sided. Without mercy, our love will always be shallow and one-sided. When Jesus is talking about, you know, loving people who love you, greeting people who greet you, speaking to people who speak to you, he's, he's talking about, you know, a very limited scope of expression of your love. Um, and notice that he says a tax collector was almost like um, a euphemism for the lowest of the low. Because um, th- th- they were considered traitors, they they were considered thieves. Um, they 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 were considered to be like the worst kind of person. And so when Jesus says even the tax collectors do this, he's like, look, the lowest of the low love people who love them. The lowest of the low, you know, what reward do you have if you only love those who love you? What, you know, what do you do more than others? So without mercy. And when I say mercy, um, I'm talking about extending mercy to other people, having mercy on people who wrong you in some way. Without mercy, our love will always be shallow and one-sided. If you only love those who love you, if you only reach out to people you are close with, if you only speak to those who speak to you first. It's not saying that you don't love these people but notice how limited your expression of love is now let's go back for a moment to this word perfect in verse 48 therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect this is one of those words that that we see in the bible and what it meant to them in their day the the meaning has you know evolved over time And when we think of something as being perfect, we think of something as, you know, without error. Oh, man, that's perfect. You know, it's not a scratch on it. You know, it's it's, it's perfect, okay? Well, that is one way of looking at it, but the word in the Greek is the word teleos, and it means that which has come full circle. A lot of times you'll see this word perfect translated mature. Again, something that that is full-grown, or something that has fully developed. Now, our Heavenly Father is perfect. Don't misunderstand me. But when He says you'll be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect, He's saying you'll be complete. He's saying that you'll be mature. He's saying that you will be developed. Okay? Now, um, so let's go to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18. 1 John chapter four and eighteen. So stay with me. I know it's been a long day for a lot of us, but let's let's stitch a few things together here. I think the Holy Spirit's going to help us and really really help us see a picture more clearly. All right. First John chapter four and verse eighteen. I'll put it on the screen. It says there is no fear in love. So there's an there's an uh, antidote to fear. There's there is something that will literally root every scrap smidgen scintilla of fear out of your life and it's and it's love perfected there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love so again not to offend anybody or you know throw rocks at anybody but to the to the extent or degree that you or I still deal with fear in our lives, it is the same extent or degree to which we have not yet been made perfect in love. So are you, are you seeing why Jesus is talking about these things in, in Matthew 5? Let, let, me, <clears throat> let me remind you again that Jesus introduced a lot of important things to us that are later expounded upon in the epistles. If you remember, right before his crucifixion, he said to his disciples, I've still got so much more to tell you, but you're not ready to bear it now. You're not in a position to, to, to understand it. There's not the proper foundation in your life yet for it to be supported by. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. So when Jesus says in terms of, you know, not just loving people who love you, but loving beyond that, not just loving and speaking to people who love and speak to you, but loving beyond that, and then he connects that with you having the same disposition as your Father in heaven and you being complete or perfected in love like your Father, because remember God is love, right, Um, in heaven. We know that he's introducing something to us that we now have more revealed and more explained to us about in other places uh, in, in the rest of the New Testament. And this is one of those key verses. So there's a strategic connection between um, uh, faith and love remember faith works by love that word works there is the greek word energio it means that your faith the measure of faith that god gave you that's in your heart right now has given to every man the bible says it's energized by love to simplify it love is to your faith what gasoline is to your automobile your 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 car is energized by gasoline it's fueled by gasoline and so, in the same way, your faith uh, is an engine that will produce in your life. But love is what energizes it. The devil wants to wants to shut down your faith. He can't take it from you because God gave it to you, and the gifts and callings of God, you know, are irrevocable. So, what the devil tries to do is he tries to neutralize your faith, right, by um, getting us. Out of love, by not walking in love, by not living by love. And then, remember, faith gives substance to things hoped for. So, on the other side of that, now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, the enemy is trying to neutralize your faith by stealing your hope. So, if if you're hopeless, there's nothing for your faith to give substance to in your life. And if you're not walking in love, there's nothing fueling the faith that is the engine that would produce those things in your life he can't steal your faith so he tries to neutralize it by attacking it from the love side and the hope side that was worth as brother keith moore would say that was worth combing your hair for and coming to church amen okay so we we see then this to i guess when i say an extreme here we see it to an extreme in the sense that love perfected removes all fear it 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 this, I, I mentioned this on Sunday morning. This is why they couldn't execute uh, John the Beloved. They couldn't kill him because he wasn't afraid, and because he, he, and he wasn't afraid because love was perfected in his life. Amen? Um, he, goes, he goes on to say that as he is, so are we in this world, right? And, and that, you know, we'll have boldness. Love perfected gives us boldness, on the day of judgment. But let, amen, let me, let me try to stay focused here. So, can you, let, let me give you this from, see, I'm starting to feel that rush, and I'm not going to rush, amen. I want to show you this same verse from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, in the Amplified. So the Amplified amplifies, it blows it up, okay? There is no fear in love, dread does not exist, but full-grown, notice now, he's talking about love perfected, But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so judgment, you see? Punishment, judgment, all right? And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. Okay? All right? Now, you may say, Oh, Pastor Mark, I, I thought we were talking about mercy, and you've gone back to talking about faith and, and hope and love. Well, amen. So, let's, let's tie some of this together now. So, when he says you'll be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect, perfected love means complete or full circle love. So, notice that next, that next statement. This is what I believe the Holy Spirit was saying to me, to say to you, okay? Mercy helps make our love well rounded. That, that, that helped me right there. That, that, that expression, well rounded. When we say to somebody that they're a well rounded person, okay? In other words, sometimes if we're not careful, we can become out of balance people. We can be too focused on one thing, you know, and, and, and be out of balance and, and what have you. I told the class this afternoon. um, I was uh, sitting at the table recently with Oliver, uh, eating uh, some chicken nuggets. He loves nugs from Chick-a-Lay, and um, and he looks over at me and he says, "Granddaddy." I said, "Yes." He says, "It's good to have good priorities." I'm like, I looked at Pam. I said, "What did he just say?" You know, I'm like. Praise God. I'm like, yes, i of here. You're right. Amen. It's good to have good priorities, right? So sometimes our priorities can get a little out of whack, right? So we're talking about well-rounded. So what the Holy Spirit is showing me that Jesus is trying to help us with here is that if we never exercise mercy, if we never extend mercy to other people, then it's it's preventing love from being expressed in our lives in a well-rounded, a full-circle, complete way, okay? So perfected love means complete or full-circle love. Mercy helps make our love well-rounded, okay? So without mercy, what happens? We wind up loving only the people who love us first, See, if you're going to get out beyond loving the people who love you first, it's going to require you extending mercy to other people. Now, I know that we often think of extending mercy as somebody's wronged us or offended us, and so you know, we're gonna forgive them, let that slide, you know, what have you. Not judge them, not speak negatively of people who are struggling in things and areas in their lives. But remember James explained to us that one of the more subtle forms of judgment is when we show partiality to other people, right? Let me, let me ask you this, and it's a, it's a silly question because I know you, you've heard the word, but anybody here ever heard the term prejudice? When you're prejudiced, okay? Prejudice, often associated with, 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 with being uh, uh, racially prejudiced. Okay, so prejudiced, I wish I had a slide to kind of break it down for you, but to be prejudiced towards another person means to prejudge that person, to prejudge them based upon their gender, based upon their skin color, based upon their background, based upon how they speak, based upon how they look, based upon what clothes they wear, based upon a whole myriad of things because the devil's behind that and if you're looking to be prejudiced towards another human being, the devil will give you as many categories to prejudge people as, um, as, as, as you, you know <laughs> want to sit there and dream up. So showing partiality. See, James says he used the example of a rich man coming in and you giving him the best seat in the house because you think he might put a big offering in the plate. Another man coming in who maybe had on tattered clothing and didn't appear to have... Um, you know, a, a lot of money. You sitting him in the back, or or maybe even making him stand in the back. See, that's judging. That's that's judgment. That's that's prejudice. That's prejudging someone based upon um, their uh, appearance. Okay. So <clears throat> notice then, even in like reaching out to other people, being friendly to people that you've never met before, speaking to people. <laughs> who may not speak to you first. That sounds like such a simple thing. Could I please, could I please, could I please challenge you to do this? Don't just get in an elevator and pretend like you're in there by yourself and there's five other people in there. Say good morning. If they grunt at you, if they look the other way, if nobody speaks to you, it's okay, right? See, what we don't realize is that a lot of times we don't speak because we're prejudging. If there's somebody in there that you recognize... If there's somebody in there, you know, let's say you're an Auburn fan of somebody in there decked out from head to toe in Auburn gear. You, you see what I'm saying? In other words, there's, there's, there are people that we'll speak to, depending on what our circle, who, who's in our circle and who's not. But to refuse, to not even acknowledge, are you following what I'm saying? This, this is, you say, well, that's, that's a, a small expression. Well, if it's a small expression of mercy, to not do it is a small expression of judgment. Are you seeing this? You're getting quiet on me. See, some, listen, I, I understand, and I know some people look at me and they're like, yeah, right. Um, you would have been hard-pressed to find somebody more bashful, more shy, more backwards, all the way up even and probably until my late sophomore year in high school when I was in school. That's, that's the truth. And I still struggle with that. I know, I know people are like, yeah, right. No, you don't. I'm telling you, I still struggle with that. Amen. And, and so, you know, like, how many times have we maybe even felt led of the Holy Spirit to speak to someone? Maybe even like something from the Holy Spirit to say to that person. But we prejudge them. We say, well, you know, they, they don't want to hear that. They don't, they're not going to receive that. They're, See, again, that, that is a form of prejudgment. It's, prejudice. It's, it's prejudging somebody based upon your opinion of them. Judging is to form and express a negative opinion about another person. You still with me? Can you take a little more? All right, 753. Let's go. A few more. All right. So without mercy, we wind up loving only the people who love us first. So mercy helps make our love well-rounded. Extending mercy will place a demand on the potential you already possess to love like Jesus loves. The Bible says as born-again believers in Romans chapter 5 that the Holy Spirit is inside of you pouring out the love of God in your heart. Remember Jesus said He would be like fountains of living water springing up from your innermost being. one Or rivers of living water springing up from your innermost being. So one of those rivers is, the, is a river of God's love. Jesus said in John 13, I'm giving you a new commandment now. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength was an old commandment. You find that in the Old Testament. Love your neighbor as yourself, again, um, from the Old Testament. The new commandment Jesus gave in John 13 is to love others as he has loved you. See, that's, that's, that's up a level or three or five. Amen? So how can we do that? The only way we can do that is if the love of God for other people is in us, and it is. So when we extend mercy, we're placing a demand on the potential we already possess to love other people like Jesus loves them. Now, this one right here, maybe is just for me. I don't think so. But extending mercy will move you out of your loving others' comfort zone. See, the comfort zone... Of loving those who love you, greeting those who greet you right that 's what Jesus was talking about. What do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same right can i t- Can I tell you what that what we 're doing when we do that and, and this really amen, can you take it? I think we can right we 're playing it safe we 're playing it safe' In other words, we basically know what to expect from these people we know you know, what mood they may be in, this and that or whatever, you know. And and so th- that's why we tend to kind of, you know, circle up and, and, and click up, you know, um, because it's a, it's a group of people we're comfortable with. They love us. We love them. They know our inconsistencies and faults or whatever. We know theirs. We know their strength. They know ours. And and we've developed this, this comfort zone and, 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 and we love them and they love us, right? Well, see, now you've got folks that are outside of that little circle. And, 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 and Jesus is saying, hey, quit playing it safe and start reaching out to other people. You say, Pastor Mark, that's not my personality. Well, then maybe we need to get over our personality, right? Maybe we need to let God help us change our personality, This is one of my favorite quotes from John Maxwell. He says, Everything you want right now and do not have is outside of your comfort zone. Now, a few more, and then I'll pray. Extending mercy will help take the training wheels off of your love. We could say it this way. Merciful love is big boy love. In other words, that's... You know what I'm saying? I mean, we... We're not just playing around loving people who love us back and, you know, telling everybody how good they are and they telling us how good we are and everybody patting each other on the back, good old boy network, whatever. See, extending mercy will take the training wheels off of your love. Extending mercy to others will fortify and strengthen your ability to love God and others. See, mercy enables you to love people who are hard to love are you seeing this some of you zoning out on me can i you got a few more couple more minutes are you seeing this mercy come on now mercy is about loving people who are hard to love loving those who love you back man anybody can do that jesus said tax collectors do that right what reward have you for that So is there a reward for loving people who are hard to love? Is there a a reward for placing a demand on the potential you already possess to love people like Jesus loves them? Is there a a reward from Father God to start extending and, and developing that kind of love? Again, what we're talking about here is mercy. So mercy enables you to love people who are hard to love extending mercy to others will fortify and strengthen your ability to love God and others see we want to love God more we want to love other people more well how do we how do we exercise that I believe one of the key ways we exercise that is by extending mercy like anything else in life pushing back against resistance builds the muscles you use So you can't be truly merciful without flexing your heart and strengthening your ability to love. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Praise God. Whew. Amen. Are you seeing this? So, see, you know, we read all this stuff Jesus talking about, giving them your coat and this and that. And, you know, we think, oh, Jesus, come on now. Get real, dude. Are you serious, you know? But see, what, what you don't understand is he's, he's drawing you out of your comfort zone. Right. See, we can think, we're like, remember love does what to your faith? It energizes it. Weak love is always going to be weak faith. Strong faith requires strong love. How do we build that love? How do you build a bicep? You grab some weight, some resistance, and, and you start curling it, Right? How do you strengthen your ability, fortify your ability to love God and others? You start by putting yourself out there and loving people who are hard to love, being merciful to people who, who aren't your favorite people to be merciful to. You can't be truly merciful without flexing your heart and strengthening your ability to love. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for some of these Intricate details, Lord, concerning mercy and its operation in our lives and what it produces in our lives, and Father, that that Jesus is calling us out tonight to get out beyond our comfort zone of love, Lord, to get out beyond what what is uh, easy and comfortable for us when it comes to loving other people, and and Lord, to start extending mercy to those people who are a little more challenging to love, Lord, maybe uh, just not quite the kind of personality that, 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 that we're used to being around or whatever the case may be, Father. Um, but, Lord, inviting other people uh, into our circle of love and our circle of friendship, Lord, to, to recognize, um, Lord, the, the value in, in, in every human being that you created. And, Lord, the, the instrument of your mercy to uh, bring them and us uh, your goodness uh, and mercy, to bring uh, them and us to a place of repentance, to a change of heart, Father. Lord, these things are growth on an important level in our lives. It's very easy for us to deceive ourselves, Father, in these areas. Lord, only loving people who love us back, only speaking to people who speak to us back, only including people who can somehow... Uh, do something for us that we're comfortable with, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your your mercy to us. Help us, Father, extend to others what you have bountifully and freely given to each one of us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Wow, thank you so much for being here tonight. Good things coming. Good things coming. You be blessed. Hey, I didn't mention it tonight, but it's my brother's birthday. birthday. Amen. My, mine was Monday, and his is today. I'm the third. He's the fifth. So, so happy birthday, Matthew. We love you. We love all of you guys and gals, women, men, brothers, sisters, youngins. Y'all have a blessed one.